Welcome. I'm Anastasia Glova, bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. In a narrow victory following a closely matched race between the economically moderate former President Alan Garcia and his extreme left rival, Ollantumala, Garcia returns to power in Peru. It was a particularly nasty contest, with much vitriol exchanged between Garcia and the Hugo Chavez-backed Humala. But Peruvians have spoken, shunning Hugo Chavez-style nationalism in electing Garcia to power. Director of the Project on Global Economic Liberty, Ian Vasquez, explains. What was at stake in the Peruvian elections? Peruvians were basically choosing between two alternative visions of Peru's future. Alan Garcia, the candidate who won and who was formerly president of Peru from 1985 to 1990, who was a disastrous uh, president and populist at that time, basically promised to stick to the democratic rules of the game, to respect the different branches of government, and uh, to build upon the economic growth and the much more open Peruvian economy that exists today. Ollantumala, the other candidate, promised to rewrite the Constitution, to reject the free trade uh, agreement with the United States that's pending in Congress, to nationalize, basically to rewrite the rules of the game. And the fact that uh, Garcia was elected, despite the fact that he was one of the worst presidents in Peruvian history, says a lot. It's a pretty strong rejection, at least by those who voted for him, of the type of uh, populism that was backed by Hugo Chavez in Venezuela that we saw and are seeing now in, in Bolivia, a neighbor of Peru. There's been a lot of talk about Latin America's leftward turn. What does Alan Garcia's victory mean for the future of radical populism in the region? I think that the wave of Hugo Chavez-style populism in the region has crested. And uh, the Peruvian elections are just one uh, of the more recent indicators of that. And one of the reasons is to be a populist, uh, you really have to have resources. And the only government in Latin America that has plenty of resources right now is Venezuela, which is the reason why Hugo Chavez has been successful as a, as a populist. But most Latin American governments do not want to be under the tutelage of, of Hugo Chavez and his uh, influence. And certainly political reality is asserting itself in the region as governments see that their neighbors, in this case, uh, for example, Bolivia, are being influenced very strongly by, by Hugo Chavez in ways that are not in the interests of neighboring countries. Brazil is not happy, for example, about the nationalizations of its own gas and petroleum companies. And so you're starting to see a rejection in the region of of uh, the influence of Hugo Chavez. That played a role in the Peruvian elections where Umala was very much seen as uh, the candidate of, of Chavez and that helped uh, Garcia rise in the polls. I think that uh, probably the next indicator of this cresting will be the elections in Mexico in July where the more conservative candidate Felipe Calderón has really risen in the polls in the last couple of months, partially because he's been linking his opponent, the populist uh, López Obrador, to Hugo Chávez. So if he gets elected, what we'll be seeing is sort of a division in Latin America, a Latin America that is opting for democracy and 
generally open economies along the Pacific Rim, with the possible exception of Ecuador, and the other part of Latin America, which has stuck to more populist or mixed and what I would even call incoherent policies. Those are the two Latin Americas uh, that are emerging. But I would say that the populist uh, wave has crested. In his previous term in office, Garcia ran the country into the ground. Will we see a repeat performance? Garcia is going to be constrained in what he does as, as president this time around. Garcia was one of the worst uh, presidents in Peruvian history. He uh, set the country back in the 1980s, about 30 years in terms of per capita income. Inflation, when he left in 1990, was more than 7,000%. And uh, the Shining Path guerrillas control much of the country. He, there was ver almost a collapse of the state uh, during the time that he ran the country. And many Peruvians remember that and uh, dislike him. And I think that partially because of that, he will try to revindicate himself in a second term in office. He has promised that he will do so, that he has learned his lessons, and that, uh, in fact, he's not going to uh, follow the heterodox economic policies that he followed in the first time in office. In fact, he promises to follow very uh, disciplined and uh, orthodox macroeconomic policies. So he's going to be constrained uh, partially by, by history, partially by the fact that he doesn't have control over uh, the other branches of government. The Congress is still very divided and not under his control. And he will also be controlled by the fact that Peru is a much, much more open economy than before. So capital will flow out of the country as soon as he makes any uh, poor economic decisions. And that has a way of disciplining policymakers in a way that really didn't exist in the 1980s when Peru was essentially a closed economy. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.